0: Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos in Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fowles. Today, I'm speaking with a group of women about the work of Moms Demand Action Organization in gun violence prevention. I'm going to let each of you introduce uh, yourselves. Lisa, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having us on. Um, so I teach in the Department of Spanish and Portuguese at Ohio State. And um, I'm also a volunteer in um, Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. We're kind of a mouthful, that's the full name. And um, I do, I volunteer in the the Ohio chapter um, of Moms. And I've been doing that for the last couple of years.
2: Great. Uh, Carolina? Sí, gracias Elena. Pues yo también soy profesora en OSU. Eh, mi nombre es Carolina López Ruiz y llevo 15 años en Ohio. Tengo dos hijos y también he hecho de voluntaria con, con Moms eh, en general and asuntos de de um, gun violence. Okay,
0: great. And Sandra.
2: Hi, I'm Sandra López. I work for Columbus City
3: Council as a legislative advisor. I have been an advocate of, you know, against gun violence. I worked for Sandy Hook Promise with the families that were impacted uh, by the Sandy Hook shooting in 2012. And um, since then I've I've just been um, trying to address this issue with different communities and educating um, others on how they can prevent gun violence in their neighborhoods and in their families as well.
0: Sadly, we are too familiar with gun violence and the tremendous impact that it has in our lives and in the lives of those who have been personally impacted by it. In particular, uh, when we think about the Sandy Hook Elementary shooting, like Sandra uh, mentioned, the Pulse Orlando nightclub Parkland School shooting and most recently El Paso shooting, and even one here close to home in Dayton, Ohio. We know that the topic of gun reform is one that demands urgency and attention. Tell me about the work Moms Demand Action does. Lisa, how are you involved with this organization and how how are you bringing this issue to the legislators? What's happening here in Ohio?
1: Yeah, so I first became interested in following legislation at the state level around guns when they were considering a bill in 2016 that would require universities to allow guns on campus, allow students to have guns on campus, and other sensitive areas like daycares, unbelievably. Um, So this is something that concerned me a lot as a professor. And so I went to a a hearing. I saw all of the Moms Demand Action members filling the the hearing room in our signature uh, red shirts, Uh, some some of them were testifying, and others people, other people, just showing their opposition by being there. Um, so I started going to meetings um, after that. And uh, since then I've testified myself against gun bills as has uh, Carolina. We've been down at the state house together. And I've also taken on more of a leadership role where I share information with our volunteers in Ohio about opportunities to, uh, to testify on gun bills. I've offered training. Um, I share resources to help with um, how to write testimony and how to submit that testimony and how to go testify in person. Now, since the pandemic began uh, last year, um, because they don't allow virtual testimony, uh mainly what we've been doing is submitting written testimony Mm -hmm. Uh, but even last summer during the pandemic i um and last fall um even last december i was moved by the insistence on some of our volunteers on going to testify in person even at risk to themselves and it's Mm -hmm. quite moving that they actually happen to be gun violence survivors themselves, our volunteers, um, Sheila Blanchard and Dionne Green, both of them um, had loved ones who were killed in the mass shooting in Dayton. So these are people who really know the stakes and were are willing to take that risk. And they're very motivating for me to keep um, doing this work. It's because of uh, the stories of survivors like themselves. In terms of what's going on in Ohio, so after the Dayton mass shooting, it really seemed like Governor DeWine was listening to the voices. There was, um, uh, he spoke to a group right afterwards and people were uh, were crying to do, chanting, do something. Um, and has become something of a rallying cry in Ohio to do something about gun violence. And his first response was that he was going to push for the common sense legislation that is our priority legislation that we support, background checks on all gun sales. Incidentally, that actually just passed the U.S. House of Representatives today, so we're very happy about that. Now the Senate will take it up. The other thing he promised, uh, we need this at the state level as well, of course. The other thing he promised was a red flag law that would allow for the temporary removal of guns from someone who poses a threat to themselves or others. So another really important piece. Um, uh, legislatively. Unfortunately, though, then he proposed legislation that didn't include either of those elements. And instead, uh, we have a a Republican supermajority in the state house here in Ohio that that passed really a very dangerous piece of legislation, a stand your ground bill, um, that we know will lead to more gun violence as it has in, in other states. It encourages people to shoot to kill, even when they can walk safely away from a confrontation. Mm-hmm. And we know this law has a disproportionate impact on, on communities of color. Of course, the Trayvon Martin case is most famous. So uh, we, um, and then Governor DeWine signed that bill. So we have our work cut out for here, uh, for us here in Ohio, we, will con- we do have allies on both sides of the aisle at the state house, and we will continue to meet with them about supporting Common sense legislation that is really widely supported by Ohioans, uh, survey after survey, over 80, 90% um, on both, you know, among Republicans, Democrats, gun owners, non gun owners. Um, and we know that um, we always say it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. So we will we will keep working.
0: Yeah. I mean, just you mentioning, you know, this 10 year ground um, law. It- gives me anxiety <laughs> uh, yeah. because yeah. I, I was recently, a few weeks ago, I went to a uh, grocery store in Cincinnati and, you know, we were just going about our, you know, way looking for things. And my daughter noticed two guys that were, ha- they had guns. And mm-hmm. I had, that was the first time that I had actually seen somebody, you know, I, I see people on TV when they show, but to be next to somebody that was not a police person right Mm -hmm. that was just a common citizen um carrying uh was a little frightening to me but yeah absolutely and i think
3: i want to just jump in there because Mm there's there's a layer of racism that is implicit in in this movement right um we think about um uh, his last name is Crawford. I, I want to say John Crawford maybe was his first name. He was someone in the Dayton area who was actually buying a BB gun at a Walmart store. And he was buying this toy for his nephew, which by the way, do not buy toy guns for your children, number one, right. but you know, it they are legal. They They, you know, he was within his right. And someone called, 911, and this person was shot and killed at the Walmart um, without any questions. I think sometimes when people think that the police is gonna show up, it's gonna be like on TV and say, like, police raise your hands and that, you know, like there's gonna be like that moment of argument and back and forth, and it isn't that way. So some people are protected under this tenor ground laws and, and under mm. this Second Amendment, right? their right to carry that gun in a public space is protected while for other people can be deadly and by other people I mean people of color so Mm -hmm. I I just I just wanted to make sure that that we didn't just like bypass
0: that exactly so one is connected to personal protection the other is connected to crime that might be committed because they are they have guns right
3: correctly
1: And the statistics on um, the, who is able to use the stand your ground defense um, uh, is totally bear that out. It's like eleven times the number if the if it's a white shooter killing a black uh, victim they are 11 times more likely to get off with a stand your ground defense than the reverse. So we know that it is not uh, a a defense available to everybody equitably. Mm -hmm. And it just encourages people to act on Uh, There are implicit biases, um, perceived threats. We know about uh, implicit bias and it's gonna, uh, even when they can safely walk away from a situation, people like to say, oh, I have a right to defend yourself. And you do, if you are seriously under threat, but you have to be able to, uh, you have to know that if you can safely walk away, uh, as George Shinn right? you have to do you have to take that option absolutely absolutely
0: so obviously legislation is a key to moving towards more regulations but what are some other things the organization provides to help us navigate this reality for example does the organization provide education around gun safety active shooter drills and other types of education like you just mentioned lisa this you know, that we have more than one option. You know, if we can de-escalate an, uh, a situation uh,
1: that will not lead to somebody dying, right? So, um, yeah, so we have a program um, that we offer called um, Be Smart. And the S-M-A-R-T of Be Smart stands for uh, the things that uh, we can do to keep good s- kids safe if you have guns in the home, so um, it involves literature that sometimes we distribute um, to schools, for example, to go home uh, with kids and uh, show their parents. And we provide trainings on it. It's all about safe gun storage because um, we know that there are, um, there actually have been, I looked it up this morning, there have already been six unintentional shootings by children so far just this year um and um with with one one child dying because of access here to, in ohio here in uh here in ohio mm-hmm. and um yeah, so uh, Be Smart is a really uh, key program. Um, our organization, of course, was founded after the Sandy Hook shooting that we've mentioned. And school safety is um, is a real priority. So last year, we issued um, a comprehensive school safety report, which really outlined the research on what gun violence looks like in schools and what steps, steps can be taken. To prevent it. Um, This includes, and Sandra Lopez might know about it, a a bill sponsored by Sandy Hook that was passed uh, last year that has to do with um, threat assessment programs, things that are evidence-based. Now, the evidence does not show that active shooter drills are um, effective. There are better ways um, to do it. There are ways to protect students' well-being. Um, and so we do have a report that talks uh, that talks about that. Um, but we know uh, that uh, the th- there are better ways to keep uh, to keep kids safe in schools than something like arming teachers, which is another ish, uh, another thing that they're trying to pass uh, at the at the state level that we've been fighting. Uh, we know we don't need guns in schools. There have been a lot of unintentional shootings by by teachers as well. And then we can also get yeah. to that um how perceived threats threaten uh children of color right. uh, if teachers are are armed and i you
3: know we we have mentioned um sandy hook elementary a couple of times and i want to encourage anyone who's listening to look up sandy hook promise they offer programs available at no cost to any school or organization that works with young people um, You know, like I mentioned, I worked there before and continue to be a volunteer teaching two programs. One start with hello um, to create a more positive environment in the schools and teach the students just how to be nicer to to one another. And I know it it sounds so basic, um, but teaching kids how to recognize that maybe somebody else is not doing well how to recognize how just to to create a a more inviting and welcoming um, school environment. It's incredibly important. And also um, say something, we teach students how to recognize signs of violence, Um, not only whether someone is threatening uh, to bring a gun to school or shoot somebody, uh, but also how to recognize that someone may be suicidal. Suicide is one of, I I wanna say after a car accident is the second uh, leading cause of death of teenagers in the United States. We don't talk about that. Um, And we don't mention that gun is the preferred method for someone to end their lives. Um, Mm -hmm. Oftentimes when people say to me, well, People also die in car accidents and we're, we're not gonna make cars illegal. So, well, the only purpose of a gun is to kill. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can use a knife in the kitchen, you can use a car for transportation. It, you know, the purpose of a rope is not hanging yourself, it's to tie things, but a gun exists for the sole purpose of killing. And when you bring a gun into your house, you have to remember that, that one of your kids Um, could be depressed or maybe going through something that you don't even know about. And I I specifically remember a case of this girl who was, um, she, she was a cheerleader, took a shower after practice and her classmates made a video out of that and then put it on social media talking about how fat and ugly she was. And by the time she got home, her phone was blowing up um and was hysterical crying and her mom didn't even give her mom time to process what was happening she knew where her mom's um Mm. gun was stored in the house when found it and shot herself in the bathroom um i don't think that when her mom brought a gun thinking that it was gonna you know to protect her and her Mm. family that was the intention but this is what happens because when someone is suicidal, it, it, it takes a split second. And oftentimes people tell me, well, I run this business and I need to protect myself or, and, and, I, and my invitation is to think of all the things that can go wrong. When you mm-hmm. bring a gun into your household, American women are eight times more likely to die. Um, in in a domestic violence incident compared to women in in industrial countries around the world, right? So so these two programs from Sandy Hook Promise are available at no cost. You can go on their website, bring those programs to your school, to your church, to your youth group, um, so that young people can recognize what does that look like? Um, They are on social media all the time. They know all kinds of stuff that we are not watching, but whenever there's been a school shooting or a mass shooting, there's been multiple signs that go ignore. And then when we, by the time he makes it to the news, you always hear, well, he was really strange or he kept talking about these things or he kept posting about guns on his Instagram. He's like, oh, why didn't you tell anybody? Like, I thought it was just being, you no, know, she was just being a drama queen. I didn't think it was gonna be serious, right? So, um, so it is very important that we go to the root cause and and address some of these things long before they happened. Sorry, I mm-hmm. went over.
0: That's fine. No, thank you. No, you know, I've I've heard you, Sandra, say that before. Um, and I actually had never quite Thought about it that way, and the fact that the gun has one purpose, right? Um, Especially when people think, well, we can die from this or that, or like, you know, we can have an accident here or there. Um, But a car, like you said, is not uh, designed for killing, right? Uh, And a gun is. That is its purpose. And
3: and as a matter of fact, we have made cars increasingly um, safer. I had an accident at the end of the year and had. You know, an airbag not come out, I probably wouldn't be sitting, you know, with you guys today. Um, we also require that a, a driver has a license, that they carry insurance. We know where the cars are, right? Like a police officer can stop you and they run the VIN number on your car, and we know who owns it and who it belongs to. Um, we ask you to renew that license plate on an annual day, basis. And um, if you have so many accidents, those driving privileges can be taken away from you. Right. If you get a DUI, that stays on your record forever. Um, you can go shoot someone and not do time. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Exactly. Yeah, so. yeah. Or, yeah, it, absolutely, absolutely. Um, um, so, let's, let's, uh, I want to hear a little bit more about the work that, you um, you all do as volunteers for um mom's demand action, so Carolina, can you talk to us a little bit about what you do, why you got involved in this, and um and some of the things that i don't know keep you excited about this work
2: sure and more than excited more keep me sane or or encouraged that that there can be change because. It's a pretty depressing topic. I, I, you know, I get excited when there is a good piece of legislation that passes, or when we, we can affect things in a way we think are going to be better. But anyway, I, I, think like Lisa, like like you know, like any of us, just are very worried about the prevalence of gun violence and in general the just the amount of guns, the gun culture, you know. And I and and one thing I, first of all that I do have to praise from moms and, and Sandy Hook, I think, is that, yeah, this holistic approach they take, right, that even though, you know, a lot of it is triggered by, in the case of Sandy Hook, uh, hor- that horrific uh, school, school mass shooting, and we are, you know, people pay attention to to gun violence when there is a, a big shooting, um, because it's so shocking and so horrifying, they, they are very aware that it's necessary to work on all aspects of gun violence, which has uh, you know, as as this and Sandra were saying, it's it's domestic. It's the danger of having a gun that you think is for your protection at home. It's it's um, race. You know, aspects of racism dynamics. It's uh, it's uh, dynamics among couples, abusive um, situations, and all that. Right. And in general, just the prevalence. Like, what do we gain from having so many guns everywhere? So, for some of us who didn't, I didn't grow up in the U.S. Uh, it's harder, you know, I grew up in Spain where people just don't have guns. So, you know, there is some amount of violence like in any country, but there is nothing, nothing, nothing that comes remotely. I mean, this is not a thing. Um, there is domestic violence, but, you know, it's again, it's it's you don't have guns. So, so it's a whole different situation. So for somebody like me, it's just difficult to understand the gun culture more generally, which makes it harder. And I've learned a lot from, you know, from people who are fighting for for uh, to improve the, the situation with gun violence. I've learned a lot from them in in the sense of understanding better all the different aspects, respecting that, you know, there are things that you're not going to, you know, that are not worth barking at <laughs> and others that are. Uh, they, the group includes people who are gun owners and who are going to be very fierce defendants of the Second Amendment and whatnot, but still can be worried about the same things that we are, and um, and trying to help prevent gun violence. So, so there is a, a broad range that is pretty realistic given American culture. So I I respect that and I praise that. And as for me, um, being not um, not somebody who works on policy or anything like that. For me, I was just I needed to do something like uh, help in some way, and the, just hooking up with an organization like this is really helpful and and encouraging because you know they they inform you they they help you know what what are the steps what are the kinds of things you can do they will guide you all the way you meet amazing people right that you form kind of alliances with right and and then you can drive together to events encourage each other like okay are you gonna go to this let's go together right or so and that encourages you because it is it is hard it is hard to you know to even to pick up the phone and call a representative it's not easy if you're not used to that so I had to learn to do that thanks to the example of you know and and the guidance of 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 volunteers who tell you yeah you just you call this number here's a list these are the issues. These things can get very complicated. Lisa is amazing at telling us, okay, these are the bills that are being discussed. It's, this is about this or that. And they never, it's all volunteers, right? They're never gonna tell you, you have to say this or that, or that or other thing. They just keep you informed and give you a framework of how you can do something, have, you know, put your little grain of sand in there you know, or your flake of snow in the ball. And so I I started, I went to, I think I started following uh, Every Time for Gun Safety after Sandy Hook. I think that's where I started just donating a little bit and stuff like that. And then with moms, which I saw as, oh, this is something that is going on here. I can get involved. I went to Advocacy Day. Um, at least I can say more about what that is. Uh, maybe three years ago. Um yeah, this was definitely after Trump was elected. And I went and yeah, and and I, I you learn what this is about, they inform you, and then they they pair you with with people. So it's a day where you go to it's kind of the lobby day to go talk to your legislators, right? But they organize mm-hmm. it so well. So they're gonna pair you with somebody who has done it before or who has more experience. So on the first time I had no clue <laughs> what we were doing. So you go along, you tag along and you see like, oh, okay. And you wait and see if you can talk to somebody. And uh, if not, fine. And then, you know, we've I've done that other times when then I, I was more active because then I knew what it was like. And the same with giving testimony. It's scary as hell. I mean, I was so nervous the first time I did it. And the second, I think I've only done it twice. And um, it can be nerve-wracking, but you do it because you feel like, you know, you really, it's an imperative, like you have to do it. And what do you,
0: sorry, to Carolina, I'm curious, what do you say on your testimony? when you, when you read it, when you, when you talk in front of an audience?
2: I So I gave testimony, for instance, for against uh, the stand your ground legislation, right? And people do do it in very different ways. So moms, for instance, will, you know, they, if you need guidelines or need, some talking points, they can help you, but they also, you're not speaking from them or representing them necessarily, even if you go in support of them. You speak, I speak like a mom, as like a teacher. So I, I try to to keep it short and kind of emotional in a way, you know, not as emotional as in, you know, I've been the victim of gun violence, which I haven't, I think I've, so far, but but um, but in terms of trying to just to convey the anxiety that this provo- provi- provokes and and how I truly feel that we are not in a safer <laughs> environment because of this uh, sort of legislation. Mm-hmm. And just I try to make a compelling kind of logical and, and emotional argument, like saying that, you know, we, there's all, for instance, there is already uh, uh, a self-defense law, which what Lisa was saying, right? Why do we need to, you know, go beyond that to basically encourage people to to be immune legally immune to being accused, you know when you can shoot first and then the person who is the only witness maybe is dead, <laughs> and how convenient the law now you can say, "Oh, I was afraid, I felt insecure in the moment. you don't have to prove that you had actually the um, the opportunity to 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 walk back from it right so I don't know but. The other thing, so beyond that, I've, you know, I, so I've gone other times just with my red shirt, just to give support to, to in a hearing when maybe there's a proponent hearing and we have gone there just to be present. And there's something very powerful about this group of mostly women, but also some men, right. And, and just coming together for, for what we really feel is the common good coming from different ideologies, some of them know our republicans maybe you know i don't know if it's probably not a majority but there are some there are some gun owners as i said there are some victims of gun violence and and so and you don't have it's it's a very welcoming group also in the sense that you know nobody's going to tell you what, what you have to do what you have to say if you don't feel comfortable giving testimony you don't do it you can do anything just support with some donations go to, uh, to a meeting, spread the word, post on Facebook, however, whatever is your way to feel you're, you're spreading the word and you're helping out, right? And then there will be others who will go one step further and one step further, you know, um, but everybody in their own way. So I think it's it's really, it helps a lot. It helps us feel we can do something and not just be spectators you know and um and try to spread the word about what we think is is better for our community yeah
0: yeah that's true i mean we uh so i'm glad you said that right that you don't have to have witnessed or uh have had um personal experience with gun violence to be part right. of this and to give testimony um, you know, just like I mentioned before, like just talking about this just makes me think about a lot of scenarios, right, where my, I might be potentially involved, like road rage, and then somebody has a gun and decides that I'm threatening and then ends it, right? Um, or any other scenario where, you know, at a store where I just was in Cincinnati, what if I yeah. trip over this guys and yeah. then they start they, uh, See that as a threat, and instead of a dialogue or a conversation, they're just gonna act, you know, violently, violently towards me. Um, so yeah, so that that is, a, I mean, it's a real issue, and I think even um, you know, even if we haven't had that direct experience, um, just the fact that that is out there, it could
2: be a potential experience for us or for our children, right? For sure
0: for sure. Definitely.
2: And uh, the other thing is I am, a, I teach like Lisa at, at a big university. So the, the, the possibility of us shooting in a university is very real. It has happened. And I teach very large classes sometimes in a big auditorium. And sometimes I think about this, like how free am I to say what I want to say? I mean, what if it grabs somebody the wrong way, right? <laughs> and, and they are, mm-hmm. you know, they go off and I don't know if they're carrying guns or not, or not. And, um, in any case, I try to stress the fact that I do feel more insecure knowing that there are people around with guns than, than if there aren't, um, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. that in a, in, the, in general, yeah, people have the right to protect themselves. Uh, I, I prefer to trust the police and law enforcement and all the, I mean, with all the possible issues there, but, you know, the institutions that we have for that, I prefer to trust that. That's maybe the European way, right? Mm-hmm. Than... Than to trust individuals whom I don't know what background or preparation they have. And right. Or
0: mental state. Or mental state, or state.
2: And also the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, the idea that is very often repeated that, well, your freedom is very important, sure, but mine is too, right? And your freedom ends where mine begins. And where is that point where your mm-hmm. freedom to carry everywhere or to shoot if you feel insecure or whatever is, you know, uh, encroaching on my freedom of feeling free and feeling secure and feeling uh, calm um, mm-hmm. and keeping my family safe i think it's very complicated as a question and people will have different answers for that and it's a, a, a blurry line right and um, you know we don't we don't all agree on that where is that line but that's something to think about
0: right can you provide some data in regards to the impact of not having gun reform and perhaps what the impact on our Latino community uh, and other minoritized groups um, is uh, Sandra. Do you have any information uh, in in relation to this, or how not having, you know, gun reform affects our community? You know,
3: the challenge of some of this work is that when you are doing advocacy, you know, prevention is hard to measure. Um, part of why i admire moms demand action so much is because they're in it for the long haul um and think about mad which is um you know this group of moms that wanted to address drinking and driving and how long that time took but it was all, also moms who were pissed off and said okay enough of losing our children um i i did you know do a little bit of research um this morning. And even though it would seem that Latinos are not as impacted as other groups by gun violence, um, we we are typically looking at number of people who were killed. Um, that's what gets in the news. We don't always measure um, people who get injured. We don't measure the impact, the, the trauma, right? How do you put value on that? Um, the number of sick days, the hospital bills, the loss of revenue, um, especially because Latinos tend to be um, underinsured. And so they're less likely to go to the doctor. They are less likely to seek mental health. Um, I would also say, offer that um, suicide rates are still low in the Latino community, but it has doubled in the last 20 years. Okay, so so it's it's low. It went from one point nine in nineteen ninety seven um, to two point six in the last couple of years. So it has doubled, even though it's a small rate. But but consider uh, that it is it is increasing. Um, so to me, that's that's what's important to to consider beyond you know the the number of. People who have been impacted is all these other things that we don't measure, like like I mentioned, like loss of revenue, uh, trauma, um, sick time, uh, the stress that that also comes, you know, associated with all these things. I also think often that for immigrants and and also for refugees, uh, they come to this country escaping violence. Um, So this is an additional layer. Uh, also stress that sometimes they think they that they're here and they're going to be safe and only to find that that there's also um uh, violence that exists in this country. And I don't know if that answered your question in the way if you wanted more. Yeah
0: uh, no um I think it's it gets in and, and I think um it also relates to the example that you that we talked about before the fact that uh maybe it's not a big Uh, deal or issue in the Latino community as far as like wanting to get guns and you know in in that regard Uh, but certainly the fact that they might be or we might be more vulnerable because um, this loss exists right Uh, that we might be targeted as a threat um, and and, um, experience that violence so even if it is not um enacted we have maybe we carry that trauma right that we know (laughs) we might be vulnerable in certain situations um as a woman as a as a as an immigrant even more so if the person that's before me is a man with a gun right Mm -hmm. um so so it's i mean it's connected to that too to the fact that minoritized groups might be just more vulnerable during this confrontations, or mm-hmm. uh, for many reasons, and the ones that you mentioned before. Um, even if, you know, is it is it the same if I or a person from a minoritized group um, is wearing a gun or is using a gun? Um, how is that seen? Is it seen as you know his right or their right mm-hmm. to um, to own it and carry it? Or is it seen as a threat to the, the community, and then the police is going to be called on them, right? Um, so, so there are those differences that do exist mm-hmm. in our society um, which one way to sol- to solve some of that is to to not allow it, right <laughs> to not have um, the right to. Yeah. And, and I think to,
3: you know to Carolina's point um, earlier, there are too many guns. There are more guns than people in this country and um, through my through my daily work i interact with a lot of police officers i have been to the police academy i've been through some of the trainings and if i was under the expectation that every individual that i encounter has a gun and wants to kill me my response will be different when i interact with people and and this is not to justify police shootings and killings in any way shape or form I don't however um because we don't register guns right by law by law people think because they watch you know Law and Order or uh, FBI or whatever show they're watching on tv that there's like like this 1-800 number that you call and say oh we found this gun and it has this number and you know you type the number in a computer and it shows up and it's not that way it's actual paper records that take a long time for mm-hmm. someone to to confirm right so it is all these things it's the fact that for the longest time the cdc was not allowed to study gun violence as a public uh health issue so we don't have data like i was trying to read about um, Latinos and gun violence today and Latinos and suicide. And and what's available is all or very little. I think the most recent is from from um uh, from every town um mm-hmm. who who has been doing amazing work at providing data and resources, but we don't have like an official, you know, from the government, this is what we know about guns in the United States. So that's problematic too, because when as as an advocate you're trying to go and speak to your elected officials about it you want to be armed with solid information and um you know personal stories are important uh victims are important but data is important as well yeah. and and we we don't have that which for me is crazy so
1: mm-hmm. yeah and i think you've pointed out what i find um so useful about working with Moms Demand Action, Carolina alluded to it um, in the way that she described it as, it really is a grassroots organization of volunteers that get involved in many different ways, but that have, um, because we work with Every Town for Gun Safety, who is doing um, a lot of research and all of the um uh policies that we support are really based on evidence and research. I think as researchers ourselves, Catalina and I, I think we're particularly attracted to it for that reason and I really appreciate, so if we go into a hearing or we go to meet with a legislator, we do have that data, we have fact sheets that um are prepared based on that on that research and there is increasingly um more that's being done. Um, But there is always a balance, too, because sometimes, you know, you can give people uh, numbers and percentages and rates of increase. And they're dramatic. I think they're dramatic and what we should be paying attention to and basing our policy on. But sometimes what has the most impact or what's most memorable to a legislator that you're talking to is a personal story. So I think it's really a balance of that will often capture their attention. I noticed when Catalina is speaking in hearings, they always want to hear about her international experience. You know, that that's what really uh, and I think it's great for them to hear about different parts of the of the world and and that this this culture is really unique to the United States. and um uh, you know so and sharing uh survivor stories of course are really uh, important but it doesn't have as you were saying elena it doesn't have to be something that uh, has happened to you. It, it is, I think, uh, striking, though, how much, just as you were saying, like just talking about it, you sort of think the ways that it has impacted your life. When I first started this work, I was thinking, why didn't I grow up? So many people talk about Americans who grew up in the U.S. thing. Um, uh, oh, I grew up with guns uh, in the household because my family hunted. And I um, had to think about why I didn't grow up that I grew up in Wisconsin and that's a big hunting state like Ohio too, kind of a rural area. Well, it was because my grandfather was shot in the face in a hunting accident Mm. um, and he lost eyesight in one eye. That's all that happened to him, you know, that was so that did not make uh, uh, guns, you know, attractive for I think my my father growing up, even though he's a very conservative uh, Republican, he published an op ed about uh, um, why there isn't a ban on handguns back in like the seventies the or eighties. Um, so, uh, you can think of, okay, that's one way it impacted my life. It just shows you how dangerous guns are even among the good guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like even a group going out and hunting, these accidents happen. And that's why we want to keep guns out of the hands of people that are going to be dangerous to them. That's why we want to require training for, um, having a concealed carry permit. Right, right.
0: Uh, Lisa, or anybody here uh, on the panel, what can we do to keep our children safe? And how can we learn more about this advocacy work? What can we do, like me or anybody that's listening? What can we do to be a part of this?
1: If you don't mind me jumping in, uh, I would say that the, what you can do to join our work in Moms Demand Action, which you can do in so many ways, is so easy. Text ready r e a d y to six four four three three ready to six four four three three and that gets you into our database so you'll be notified about any meetings or events in your area and it's not a lot of notifications you can kind of ask for what what you want to be notified about everything is online now so it's easier to to participate than than ever um, we use that number 64433 for many actions. Another thing, the background checks bill that just passed the House, if it passes uh, the Senate, this would be um, uh, hugely uh, impactful. We know that states that have background checks on all gun sales, not just in gun stores, but private sales and online sales, um, if that passes the Senate, that will that will have a big impact because the states that have that seem a lot less um, uh, um gun violence. Um, So you can text CHECKS to 64433 and be connected to, um, I'm sure they'll change it over, it's been connected to your reps, you can, uh, but now we'll need to contact our senators to get uh, them to vote in favor of that bill. And Senator Portman, Senator Brown will certainly vote for background checks. Senator Portman has expressed support for in the past too. So he's- He's not a lost cause. It really is worth reaching out. So those are things we can do legislatively. The other thing I mentioned before that Be Smart for Kids program that about safe storage, we can do presentations in any group, um, or uh, we really are always looking for volunteers who might be willing to share it with their schools or school districts. Um, so that. That's one way, but this, uh, you know, it's the same thing connecting with our organization initially. And then you can find out about the the, um, Be Smart program. You can also look it up um, online. BeSmartForKids.org is where you you find that. Safe storage is just, you know, keeping Mm -hmm. your guns locked and secured in your home is essential for young kids, which I always thought. But when um, I think it was Sandra talking earlier about um, a teen teen uh, having access to their parents' gun and committing suicide because we know that once you use a gun, the chances of actually dying from suicide are 90% that that first mm-hmm. chance. It doesn't give you a second chance if you use a gun. Other methods, you have a second chance. Only 5% or something are, uh, will result in death on the first time. So it's important for kids and for, for teens. So to respond to your question about keeping our kids safe, keeping guns uh, locked and uh, um, safe from from kids is absolutely the most important thing. And finally, the our our advocacy day this year that Catalina was talking about it's the best way to learn about our organization and to see the kinds of things that we do. And it's so easy this year because it's all going to be virtual. It's on April 19th, and um, I don't know if you have show notes or anything, Elena, because there's a sign up link that I could share, um, but that. Again, texting would be the way to, to find it. And you can look it up by looking up momsdemandaction.org. You can just do a search by your zip code actually and see any events in your area that way. That's the easiest way. So that virtual advocacy day means that any time you have during, not even just that day, the whole week, any time that you have to log on, you can participate in a meeting with a legislator because we'll have them all throughout the day on that Monday, and then a few throughout the week. Or you can watch a recording of a training, or you can have access to resources. Um, so instead of having to take a whole day off work and come to the state house, which is really fun, I agree with Catalina; it's like the best, the best thing we do. Um, but this way, uh, we'll get to, more people can participate throughout the state on their own time. Right,
2: right. Catalina, so. did you want to add something? Just a couple, as Lisa was saying, uh, just a couple of things pop to mind in, in terms of children. Well, everything that she said, and I would say it's uh, obviously what you how you educate them, right? Like if you if you put in their minds since they're little that guns are dangerous. I mean, they might seem cool in movies or whatever, but try to you know to to, to 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 make them feel that you know there is. I mean, you may one day when you're an adult want to own a gun, and you know but just be very aware of, of the dangers. If you go to somebody's house, if you go, you're with a friend and he says, Oh, let me show you my dad's arsenal. And and I want to show you this. There's so many accidents with friends who want to show them the other kids something and they end up shooting somebody. And um, so just, I, I was very, I was a pain in the neck with, uh, you know, with my son, especially who was more kind of more fascinated by guns, but never, you know, even touch one. And he has this friend who, kept insisting on going to the shooting range after he was 16. And I I put my foot down and I said, no, no, it's not in my, you know, it's not in in me to let you do that. When you are older, you will do it. If you want to, but not under my watch. So anyway, everybody's different. I'm not, this is not a judgment on parents who may may have guns, may, you know, may have other mentality. So long as they're very aware of educating the children to be safe in Mm my, for me, for my mentality, it's uh, better to keep away from them. And so a very difficult thing for me and maybe for other parents out there was to ask uh, these uh, neighbors in whose house my daughter spent a lot of time when she was smaller to ask them uh, if they had guns, if they're safe. Because I, I, mm-hmm. knew, I, I knew they did mm-hmm. because the guy, uh, the, the father was a hunter too. And he had mentioned that. And they have three little girls my daughter is spending hours and hours there and i just became kind of obsessed with this and it was so awkward i didn't know how to ask i didn't know i didn't want to offend them right i i'm sure they're gonna think i'm lame it's just it was one of the hardest things i've done
0: (laughs) You know that's funny that you say that but yeah like I think it's important to be comfortable with uh with asking those questions yeah. and and I can just share I mean this this might actually make you laugh but I would say the same thing about what movies they were going to watch. Right. Yeah, I mean why not, right? <laughs> you know I'm like uh my girls only watch rated, you know, this rating like anything above that they don't. And then if you're going to watch that then maybe they'll come, you know, spend the night later or right. I, and, and it was, it, it it's not an easy conversation right. because you're also saying, this are my values and people right. uh, could uh, get offended because they think that you're judging right. because you're letting the kids do this or that, right? But it's not about that. It's just, uh, and it is hard, it's tricky to, to ask somebody, well, do you have, g- <laughs> do right. you have guns? I mean, I can't even imagine asking that, but. Well, and, and, may,
3: and maybe your child watching, you know, uh- different rating movie won't kill them but if they were allergic to peanut butter um you would have a different conversation right so sometimes i say did you ask if they're gonna have peanut butter cookies right it's you know think think about it you know in mm-hmm. in those terms,
2: that's a great example because I I would I would feel perfectly comfortable asking about uh, something about food or or you know or you know slightly awkward but more comfortable asking yeah. about, about what they're gonna do some activity if I agree with it or mm-hmm. not but for some reason well because guns are so polarizing right now in the society unfortunately you know it just seemed harder but logically yes if you would ask about one thing why don't ask about the right. other and and then the other last thing about the call, calling your representative, what Lisa was saying, it is hard to do the first time because you're like, oh, how do I do it? But if you go into the moms, you know, or, or Sandy Hook, if you follow one of their pages where they say there's this issue, call, just put on your phone. For me, it was a matter of, at first it was hard. I felt kind of lost. Then I put on my phone, the number of yeah, Senator Portman, <laughs> Senator Brown, mm-hmm. my look who is your your state house representative here in Ohio. Put the number in your phone and then you just have it there. And when you see something going on, you're like, okay, I know how to call. More often than not, you're gonna leave a message on an answering machine. And it doesn't matter. You just say what you're worried about. And you know, it ma- it, it all counts. And if you talk to a staff member, I, I'm at the
3: receiving end of those
2: calls. Yeah. It and if you talk to a staff member, you can ask them what's their position, and even just adding voices, adding adding calls. It, I I learned this, yeah, from these other volunteers. It matters a lot because there are people who who are calling a lot for the opposite that you're calling, right? I mean, you know, and that's politics. It's what it is. We're all citizens. We all have our you know, we all have our priorities. So people are calling. To ask the opposite thing, and you know, um, and and so you need to make your voice heard, and and they do, they do take, they do take note of how many people are calling, how much pressure there is, right? So it is. I, I would encourage people to make that step, which can be hard to do f- the first time. Once you know how to do it. It's, it's nothing, you know. It takes five minutes, two minutes or uh, uh, and you feel so much better. Like I made this call, I was something I really care about and you know, it, and it's there.
0: Great. Sandra, Carolina, and Lisa, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you.
0: A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima.